Hey there, and welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Fahad Mohammed, VP of Marketing at Daylight, a low-code platform that makes it easy for businesses to rapidly deploy digital experiences that collect, validate, and deliver critical data and information. Fahad, it is so awesome to have you on the show. Likewise. Good afternoon. Excited to be here today. Now, in a second, we're going to talk about what I think is a really important topic in the world of B2B marketing, content marketing, and that's creating a vibrant content experience for the audience. And we're going to get into exactly what we mean by that. But first, let's learn a little bit about you. Kind of give us the 30-second the version of you know, your background in marketing and you know, your role at Daylight. So I've been in, in a marketer's shoes for close to now 14 years. I've had a chance to play within various SaaS and technology organizations, ranging from startups to SMBs to enterprise organizations. So hell of a ride. And along the way, you know, I have established a really good understanding of the fundamentals when it comes to marketing and various subdisciplines under marketing. And as of today, being the marketing lead on Daylight, I manage marketing operations demand gen for both new acquisition and expansion opportunities with our incurred customer base. You have this really wide breadth of experience and your role at Daylight encompasses pretty much everything that has to do with marketing. So you're just the perfect person, I think, to talk about our, our topic today. And it's a really interesting one, creating a content experience for audiences and, and what that is and why it matters. So let's just start with the basics. What do we mean by a content experience? It's basically a way to deliver content and how content is consumed and how it's, it's packaged up for the intended audience. And over the course of marketing evolution within, especially within the SaaS and the technology space, there's been various changes, but generally it hasn't really gone through any type of evolution as we've seen in other sub-disciplines. It's been, it's, it's a pretty standard exercise of either it's a white paper in a PDF format, and now it looks good and has, you know, creative elements and, and breakouts and call-outs and all that stuff. And certain, in, in certain capacities, there, there, it's, it's a landing page with, with some call to actions that pop up and with some interactive components. The the challenge has become that because everybody's kind of doing a bit of a same old, same old approach with, with obviously some, uh, some exceptions, it all kind of gets into this, this same sea of content, even though it might be very high value, high impact, but because it doesn't stand out. And from a consumption perspective, everybody is kind of there's an established expectation of like, it's going to be another white paper or it's going to be another PDF. The reader is not excited and the marketing teams and the content teams continue to kind of just churn out that level of output because they're also focused on certain metrics to be in place. So the experience component in, in a lot of ways, is just taking a bit of a backseat. It's not a, it's not a focus. It's not even a priority for a lot of organizations. And the ones that do prioritize that, it's like a light in a dark room. It shines so bright. You, it immediately grabs people. Be like, wow, this is good. This is interesting. And I want to be very clear. Experience should not come at a cost of quality. Like it's, it's not all about the sizzle. If the content isn't engaging and it's not compelling, it's not informative, no amount of polish and no amount of creativity is going to salvage that. So it is at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fine balance. I mean, that's an interesting point that you just made, right? And that's a kind of distinguish between 
the content itself, like the information that's being, you know, put forth and the way that it's packaged, which is kind of the experience, right? But isn't it true that at the end of the day, you can, you can never really separate those things? They're intrinsically intertwined, wouldn't you say? 100%. It's never one side over the other. It's always the combination of, is the content compelling? Is the content engaging? And then is it shared in a way that engages the reader? So it is the combination effect. You can have the best white paper on the planet with some of the most, you know, compelling insights and research points, but if it's buried under lines of text and in a 10 or 20 page, whatever format that just kind of puts off the reader, no one's going to get to the, that part. And the same thing is true. You can have the most good looking piece of asset, long form, short form, but if it doesn't have any substance to it, or if it's just like 20 other content assets are out there, same thing, reader is not going to be, you're not engaging them at a level that will bring them back. And that's what we're all shooting for from a marketing perspective is to bring them back, to have them consume more with the idea of the more they consume, the more educated they get, the more informed they get about the product and the problems that that particular solution is trying to solve and eventually turn them into buyers. An important point that you're making is in order to get people's attention at all, but especially to get, to get them to come back, you can't just be swimming in that sea of sameness. You have to find ways to stand out. I mean, that's sort of like the, the holy grail of content marketing, right? Everybody would agree with that. And, and as we're talking about it, a lot of it comes down to the content experience, your kind of holistic experience of engaging with that content and, and how it makes you feel, right? And kind of the, the entertainment value of it. So what would you say are some of the basic building blocks in your experience and in the work that you've done, you know, where you are now to create those kind of experiences. And we'll talk about specific examples in a second, but first I just want to get to like, so when you even just start thinking about that, what are some of the basic core principles that you think about when it comes to creating, you know, like next level content, content that's packaged with the kind of experience we're talking about? I think it boils down to two things. And the first one is going to be a little controversial because it dictates a lot of what type of content and experience needs to be created, which is know your audience. It all boils down to who you're creating the content for and who you are trying to engage. An engineer is very different than a VP of innovation. A fleet company is very different than, you know, a fortune 100 bank. So understanding who you're creating the content for, who you're trying to engage is, is basically defines the variables that you from a marketing and content marketing perspective that you should be playing with. Now, there is a common thread. At the end of the day, compelling creative content always wins. When you read a good ad or you see a good creative, there's a general appreciation of like, yeah, that, that was good. So not to kind of get into the weeds of like, well, is it always going to be super differentiated to a point where there's no commonality? No, there there's commonality there. But Knowing who you're creating for and who you're trying to engage definitely sets you up in terms of where you, your sandbox lies. And the next step is not to do what everybody else is doing. It, that's the simplest way I can put at it. Unless, you know, what they're doing is there's some data to be validated, be like, hey, that is a tactic that we want to double down on and test. So what I mean by that is just because every competitor is putting out let's say product videos a month or a week or whatever frequency, doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing. Just because every competitor is writing six blogs a, a week doesn't mean you have to do the same. 
It's the art of figuring out what can we do that helps us stand out. So if we are going to write a blog, because it's a core staple of, of any content marketing strategy out there, how do we make it exciting? How do we make it that someone reads that when, when they get to that piece, it immediately kind of sparks like, this is different than 20 other blogs I've read. And a good example recently, and I just actually posted on LinkedIn today, newsletters. Right. Like newsletters are probably the most boring form of content out there today because they all follow a by the book approach, especially in the in the B2B SaaS and, 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 and tech space. It's packaging what you have, blogs, white papers, press releases, upcoming event, whatever the, the, the what's happening within the realm of that organization and just blasting off to every single person out there without kind of, you know, going to the point of like, what can we do differently? that people actually give value out of this content. Forget about our world, but what can we do to what people get value out of? And that thought train, that process is where the creativity would come up. You would look into new tools to make your content exciting. You would think about redoing or, or just adding elements to the existing content mix that just kind of add small levels of differentiation that even though they are small, they are big enough that they get noticed. So it's like a multi-threaded kind of concept, but at the end, it, the combination is what really creates that end-to-end -end experience for the audience that an organization or a content marketing team or a marketing team is going after. Give us, if you can, an example or two of some content that you and your team have created that fits this bill. You know, whether it's a blog post or whatever that you're like, yeah, we're doing something different here and here's why we're doing this. So what's a good example of that? I'll give two examples. The first one was our long form assets. So when we were looking into creating white papers and case studies, the team and I were like, hey, what can we do differently that doesn't end up in the same kind of bucket of like, yeah, I've seen this 20 other places. And in pursuit of figuring that out, we started to look at both. What is the different, when it comes to the different component, what are those elements? And, and making a bit of a list of like, what those things could look like. And then how do we execute on that? Because we also don't want this to be something that is not achievable. We can't do it and we can't, and not just do it, but we can't even repeat it. So what we ended up doing was basically flipping the, the script on what a long form asset experience looks like and finding a partner from a MarTech perspective that will give us the ability to do that. Our white papers and our case studies don't really have the same kind of flow as as every other content asset you would see. It's not in a PDF. It is a web-based interactive experience. The audience can choose where they want to go in the sense of if they just want to skip to the end, they can do that. It's not gated. We're not gating our content. It's education. So education should be out there for people. And, and the more they consume, if they, again, if we have faith in our content and faith in what we're building, then they will come back. And the more they come back, the more consume. And if it is the right time and the right persona, eventually they will, you know, turn into buyers. So that's one thing we've done. The other element that we doubled down was interactive experiences. How do we create a, a, a bit of a breadcrumb style interactive experience where we guide the, the audience to a journey and give them a bit of a build your own adventure type experience? So those are those are not something we do on a regular basis. Those are more tied to a campaign or tied to a go-to-market push that we're making. But they have helped us kind of cut through the noise because A, it stands out. It, it gets people's attention. B, it's fun. Like people, who doesn't want to 
be participating in something that actually requires their inputs versus scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And C, our main objective with every content piece that we create is it has to give value to the reader. And the value should be universal. It shouldn't be who we are and what we drive. That's always going to be in some capacity there just so that they can see that what they've learned, if they want a starting point towards that, you're there for them. But everything we create is around how they can take some of those insights and action them versus, great, another vendor talking about how great they are. You mentioned the sort of choose your own adventure model, which first of all, does sound like a lot of fun. I remember those books as a kid. A lot of people do, you know, like that was cool. Even just in paper book forum, you'd be like, turn to page 82. Like, oh no, I made the, the he dies. I made the wrong choice go back. But I remember those like every, it, it, cause those are fun. How important do you think it is that content is fun? Entertaining. I think in today's day and age, it's vital. If you look at the landscape, you know, you, everybody's doing the standard stuff, whether it's, you know, high volume SEO plays and, and going after keywords and rankings, that's common. Or with the bigger brands, they have the ability to, you know, basically have a very wide media presence in across different channels. So how do you cut through the noise? And same with the insights. Everybody has a bit of a level playing field when it comes to research. And, and obviously there, there are exceptions to this, but generally as more and more avenues open up to be out there in terms of information being everybody having the accessibility component, everybody has a bit of a same playing field. So fun component, obviously, again, going back to knowing your audience, it doesn't have to kind of borderline turn into comedy. But if you're taking something that's cut and dry and making it a little more compelling without kind of going into the comedic side and, and throwing the audience off, you got them hooked. And, and it would be different enough for them to be like, you've engaged me, you've given me something, whether it's a smile for that day or food for thought for that day. That is what we're fighting for is from a marketer's perspective is that mind share. If we're able to plant that seed with either a newsletter or a video or a long form asset or whatever that content mix is, that's a checkbox because then they will come back and they will come back for more. So the fun component 100% needs to be there. But to me, it's also important that it factors into who you're doing it for. And it also has to be experimented and, and with versus being like, that's our strategy. We're just going to be everything we do is, is going to have have a layer of, of comedy on it, or it's going to be today's language or today's kind of general kind of sentiment tag to it. That might throw the audience off if the brand doesn't as a whole stand for it. So it has to be, it has to be in a very controlled manner. There's always probably a risk in like trying to be funny or clever, right? That can age very quickly or it can go sideways or not go the way that you, that you hoped, right? Which is another interesting thing to consider. We could have a whole other discussion about that sort of the more inventive, creative outside the box you are, maybe the more risks you're taking too. But I think you're right though, that as long as you keep squarely in front of you, who is our audience and don't lose sight of that, then that's always going to be your guiding light. And it's for them. It's not about you. It's really about them. And you're trying to serve them and engage them. And that's what's going to guide you to hopefully not make too many mistakes. You're bang on. And at the end of the day, the consistency element is also important. No brand wants to be, you know, known for things that they're doing that there's no consistency to them, whether it's in 
what they're producing every month is different or tone starts to change. And then there's no brand identity. There's no anchor for that brand to be like, this is what it stands for. So consistency is important. Within the consistency, there's experimentation. And that experimentation is tied to looking at what is the modern day consumer's mindset? What are, going back to what's your audience, who they are, what has changed? How have their behaviors changed? And that should be going back to the experimentations that like, let's try this this time around. And if it's done, if they, and, and whatever benchmarks that are set, whether it's engagement rates or whether it's consumption or whether it's, it's just, you know, impressions, whatever the, the criteria, the metrics that are tied to that particular tactic would then help in retrying it and, and figuring out how it can be done better. And then eventually, if there's a consistency there from a performance perspective, then it could be a regular part of the content mix. But what I think is important is a lot of companies, a lot of brands, there's a lot of bandwagoning that's happening. XYZ is doing this. We're going to do this because they're a competitor or they are one of the brands within our ecosystem. And we got to, because just because they're doing it, we're going to do it. And that has a hit or miss component to it. Your audience might not like it and, or you're going to, you may not be able to produce the same level as the other company has because they've established themselves. So that copy pasting approach doesn't really work. A lot of times it's the pivot of, okay, if they're going that way, and we know that our audience engages in this format. It's taking the other direction that really kind of differentiates the brand and creates that whatever that content mix is or that asset is, brings that compellingness back and, and engages the reader and audience. And at the same time, I totally understand the impulse, especially if you're newer or smaller or, you know, to be like, well, it's working for them and something, there's something there. Maybe we need to try it. Like it's hard, it's hard not to sometimes, right? To see like, well, that seems to be working. Shouldn't we do that? And may maybe, but as you're saying, if you just, if you're essentially doing the same exact thing, then people see that, right? And they're like, oh, well, this is just, I've seen this before. I've already, you know, it's not going to really give you any kind of edge or advantage. It comes through, right? Like another example that comes to mind is a few years ago, there's a brand called Dollar Shave Club and their explainer video went viral. And it was a very different kind of setup in that video, very different type of humor. The production, just, just the style was very unique. Shortly after every, a lot of brands started to copy the same thing. And, and you saw like a barrage of explainer videos, intro videos that had a very similar style to what Dollar Shave Club did. And it's the same thing that is sadly happened in the podcast world, that if one person starts it, everybody jumps on it. Next thing you know, you know, everybody is starting their own version. And just because that one person was successful and you either they were first to the market with that idea or they were able to establish an audience doesn't mean that it wouldn't work for you. But copying it as is, is not the answer. There needs to be enough differentiation uh, and more and then different with the differentiation element of value for your audience that they will consume it. And if Dollar Shave Club's brand came up with that, sure, there's a creative execution element there. Copying it might get you short term in that time frame and might get you that boost you needed, but it also gets really old because then everybody's doing the same thing. Our job as marketers, the differentiation element is always challenging. That's what basically we, we live our day to day of. How do we cut through the noise? Because there is a lot of noise. A lot of channels are out there. A lot of people are doing the same thing. And the loudest voice wins the mind share. But how do we cut through the noise is, is 
basically our job to figure out. It's the ongoing question. Yeah, 100%. God, there's so much more we could say about this, but we got to wrap it up. Fahad, I just want to say thank you so much for a great conversation. A lot to think about there, a lot to chew on. So thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.